Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2. Available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Well, we spent a whole week exploring the fact and the meaning of Christ's resurrection from the dead. This is not a myth or legend, nor is it simply a metaphor for our experience of Jesus' life-giving presence. The resurrection was an event in history, and as we've seen over the last week, the evidence for it is pretty good. Really, the only way around the conclusion that Christ rose from the dead is to protest that dead people just don't come back to life. And if you rule out such a thing from the very beginning, then no amount of evidence is going to change your view. But for those of us who believe there is a God who can do what he likes with the laws of nature, the evidence for Christ's resurrection is compelling. But it's important to emphasize, as I started to do last night, that the resurrection is more than a staggering event of history. It's an event with monumental significance for now and for the future. Not only does it validate the claim that Jesus is the Son of God, it also has implications for the whole of creation. Last night we explored what the Apostle Paul said about the resurrection in his letter to the Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 20 to 24. Without going over Um, what we saw last night, let me just say that Paul makes very clear that Jesus' resurrection is God's pledge within history, that he will restore life and renew creation at the end of history. The resurrection of Jesus in time gives us a glimpse and guarantee of what God will do at the end of time. Tonight, I want to really focus on the implications of the resurrection for our view about the afterlife and about the kingdom come. From the very beginning, the resurrection of Jesus shaped decisively the Christian view of the afterlife. This is illustrated beautifully by the famous Apostles' Creed. This has been a standard statement of belief ever since about the 3rd century. I mean, to this day, Roman Catholics and Protestants still say this Apostles' Creed in church Um, most weeks for some of us, it's a summary of what Christianity is all about. Now, there are two references in the famous Apostles' Creed to the afterlife. One relates to Jesus, the other relates to Christians in general, and both are about the essential idea of bodily resurrection. Let me quote the Creed in full. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Sometimes people assume, even people who have attended church for a long time, that the reference at the very end of this creed to believing in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting simply restates what is said earlier in the creed about Jesus and his resurrection. But a moment's thought makes clear that this final line is actually all about believers. It's not about Jesus. Following the teaching of the New Testament, the Apostles' Creed 
states that just as on the third day Jesus rose again, so at the end of history, God's people will experience the resurrection of the body. And it's in that bodily mode that we're going to enjoy the life everlasting. The Christian view of the afterlife has always involved resurrected bodies in a revived creation. That's what the kingdom of God is. And here we arrive at one of the most distinctive parts of the Bible's teaching about the future. Eastern traditions like Hinduism and Buddhism respond to the frailties and disappointments of the natural order by holding out the hope of nirvana, which literally means to be blown out. Nirvana is a state of absolute non-physicality. For Hinduism and Buddhism, physical reality is not reality at all. Instead, it's part of the entrapment from which we have to try and free ourselves. It's what these religions are all about, freeing us from physical entrapment. The Bible's hope is radically different. When the Bible describes the future kingdom of God, what we often call heaven, it speaks not of the removal of physical existence, but of its recreation. The natural world will be liberated and the human body redeemed. Consider these words from the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 21. The creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For many of us, I suspect our picture of the kingdom come comes from an unlikely combination of ancient Greek philosophy and modern Hollywood movies. The ancient Greek philosopher Plato taught that the physical world is a kind of grubby reflection of the ultimate non-physical reality everything is heading toward. Now somehow, Hollywood got hold of this idea and now almost always portrays the afterlife as a fourth dimensional existence with clouds and halos and bright lights and the ever-present harp music. Bodies are conspicuous by their absence. Now when I first became a Christian, it always troubled me that I was now meant to enjoy the thought of escaping the physical world and entering into a spiritual one called heaven. But I loved the taste, smell, sight, sound and touch of this world. And now I was meant to look forward to losing those five senses and having them replaced by some spiritual sixth sense. To be honest, I wasn't terribly excited about it. Fortunately, though, I soon learnt that this is not what Christianity says about the afterlife at all. The kingdom come in the Bible is not an ethereal place of clouds and ghosts. It's a tangible place of real existence. Far from the Hollywood notion of a disembodied nirvana-like bliss, the Old and New Testaments both promise a new creation and a resurrection of our body. The vision of God's kingdom that Christianity proclaims is not a ghostly existence that denies the reality of creation. It's a bodily 
existence, in which the frailties and disappointments of this natural world are resolved through an extraordinary act of divine recreation. And all of this has to do with the resurrection of Jesus. Christ's rising to life is central to biblical faith, not simply because it marks out his life as a unique moment in history, but because in it, God shows he is willing and able to breathe new life where there is currently death and disorder. The resurrection of Jesus is God's tangible pledge in history that he intends to do the same for the whole creation at the end of history. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.